I wake up every morning with a purpose and I see beauty every day in this journey. Learn and hold your head up high and be brave. It might be a bad hair day. You might see wrinkles that weren't there yesterday, but just hold your head high, be brave, and you smile and laugh. Something else that I want to include in this podcast is aging gracefully. So if you compliment strangers and believe in the power of simply being and oh yeah, we'll talk about the right clothes that make you look good and feel good. Hello and welcome to Coming Home with Barbara McKay. My name is Andrew Rusnak, producer of this podcast. Now, you probably already know that you can buy Barbara's latest book on Amazon when you search for Coming Home, Recipes and Reflections from a Life in the Spotlight. But what you may not know is that this book is part cookbook and part memoir and in it, Barbara shares all kinds of memories about special friends she's made over the years, and today we are honored to welcome a very special friend, Melissa Latin. Melissa has a background in education and a passion for cooking, so it only made sense for her to transfer her skills to Instagram and TikTok, where she's a food influencer sharing recipes and teaching others how to create amazing dishes at home. Now, Melissa can be found by visiting charlottefashionplate.com. You can also search for that on TikTok and Instagram. And Barbara welcomes her today to talk all about cooking on social media and what it takes to be an influencer and how we can all benefit from following our passion. Now, here's Barbara McKay and Melissa Latin. Hi, everybody. I can't wait for you to meet my guest today. Melissa Latin is not only a beautiful, adored influencer on social media, but she is an incredible best friend to me. And I could spend our whole half hour talking about her talent and her kindness and her generosity and her friendship. But this time we're going to focus on her tremendous success as a beloved food and fashion influencer and how she accomplished this. Melissa, hello. Hello, Barbara. I am so thrilled that you took the time to do this because I can tell by your media posts that you are a very, very busy lady. And I know that from our conversations outside of work. So first of all, let everybody know a little bit about you and how you got started in the world of food influencing. Sure. So um, I was prior to this a college professor before I moved to Charlotte. And uh, once I moved here, I decided I did not want to do that any longer. And it took me a few years and uh, I actually started out with styling, with fashion. So it was more of maybe a fashion blogger at the time. And um, I always cooked for my husband and uh, I started cooking more and people were recognizing that. I'm like, I think I'd rather switch over to more of the food blogging. Um And it's just been a passion of mine. And as much as I love teaching, I always knew there was something else I should be doing. And this is it. I I forgot to tell everybody that you're also brilliant and you have many, many talents. But I love what you said about how you switched over because that seemed to be what people wanted to see. And it's such a smart decision because if you give people what they want, you'll get what you want, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, your, your husband, you mentioned cooking for your husband. Tell everybody, your husband is a fascinating person. So tell everybody about him. He is. And on top of all of his success in the hockey world, he is one of the sweetest, most kind, generous humans. I am so lucky. Like I am completely every day lucky 
that I was able to meet him. So he has been in professional hockey his whole life, not as a player. Um, he started when he was young, I think in his early 20s, picking up towels in the locker room for the Detroit Red Wings and kind of just worked his way up until he um, got with Pittsburgh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins, where I knew of him, even though I had not met him, um, as head equipment manager, and his career just took off. Well, he is, again, well-known for what he can do for hockey teams, and we're so glad that he came to Charlotte and brought you here. Oh, thank you. Uh, all right, your, I'm glad to. Your, uh, your background or your uh, past experiences, how did those things make food a possibility as, as an influencing option for you? For example, I mean, did you, did you have any culinary courses? Was it? No. Okay, tell us. What, what not, made food? Not a culinary course at all. But So my mom, um, she was, I think I was four when my parents separated. So she was a single mom of five children. Um, and she cooked for us every single day, even though she was working, she always made sure when we got home from school that there was a meal ready. Or when she came home from work, there was always a home cooked meal. And Sundays were always a, you know, a Sunday dinner roast, whatever it was. And I think I took a lot of that from her, not necessarily like I cook differently than her, but I think that maybe food cooking for people is my love language, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I took a lot of that from my mom, just how to care for people um, with food. You, you are very good at caring for people, and I am one who knows that very well. I'm, I'm thankful. You have, tell everybody where they can find you on social media, and then I'm going to tell them a little bit more about why you are so special. What is your Instagram account? So everywhere, um, it's Charlotte Fashion Plate. So Instagram would be Charlotte underscore fashion underscore plate. Um, everywhere else, it's the same. When I look at your posts, I immediately, I, I don't know anyone that have ever, every single food that you post, I want that. And I want it Aww. at that moment. You not only choose these fabulous, delicious foods and recipes to share, but they are shot so, in, in such a beautiful way. I, I have never seen any other um food influencer that does that so beautifully. And you do that all yourself, right? I do it all myself. Yes. How, how do you do that, Melissa? It's just amazing. <laughs> so I had to learn, like when I go back and look at posts from even like a year, a year and a half ago, I'm like, oh, that was horrible lighting or, you know, I didn't edit properly or whatever. So I just kind of like did a lot of research, watched a lot of YouTube, I got lucky enough to be invited to a TikTok boot camp that was just for um, creators. And that helped me tremendously. It was a whole month and they went through lighting and just every aspect of how to create a quality video, um, even using your phone. So I just use my, my trusty iPhone 14. I think it's a 13 or 14. Um, but it gave me a lot of information as to, you know, how to place your lighting, what kind of lighting to buy, what kind of backgrounds, 
um, how to shoot certain shots. Um, so I'm really grateful for that because it, it really did up my game in the last six months. For how, sure. You commented that you were lucky enough to be chosen. I, I happen to know that there's a whole lot of hard work that goes into that luck. What about other people that would like that kind of training to do their posts? Is there a place you sign up for something like that? Or did you just, uh, is it all by someone just picking you out? And Yeah, so they reached out to me and said that, um, so I joined their uh, creator fund, if you want to call it, on TikTok. And um, so they reached out to me and said they were choosing, like, I think it was 3,000 people um, to take part in this boot camp. And if I wanted to, you know, be part of it, and it was a little bit of a commitment. It was once a week, but it was about, I think, an hour and a half to two hour session. And they had different creators on from, you know, all different industries, beauty, food, uh, what have you. And um, it just really gave me a lot of insight, especially how to edit my final videos. Like that was always the worst part for me is like, But now, like, I don't know what it is. I have this sense of what I want my final video to look like Mm -hmm. before I even shoot it. So when I'm shooting it, I always pick like a 10 minute window. Um, I shoot in the TikTok app with my phone and I'll take multiple final shots. I'll take multiple shots of pouring something. So I think somebody the other day said, that's too much gravy on the short ribs. <laughs> but honestly, it was because I had to shoot like three different times and it just, you know, it just kept going on the plate. They, they may have forgotten that this is your site yeah. and you yeah, choose exactly. the amount of gravy that you, want, exactly. that you want to show. I know that you tried to help me with shooting these things and, and, I will tell everybody, it, it is so hard. I got some equipment to help me do this on my stove, and my, my phone fell into the pot. Um, I had all kinds of issues, and it was very, very difficult. So what kind of special equipment do you have that makes that a little bit easier? Yeah, so I've, um, I think I've purchased many, many, many different like uh, tripods, uh, for, you know, holding my phone. I think I finally got one that's got a heavier base. Um, it allows me to adjust, um, my phone in different positions up, down, move it closer to the food, more away from the food. Um, and then I did buy some like extra lighting to put on the other side so that it kind of drowned out like a lot of shadows because it seemed like I was getting light on one side because my tripod actually also has a light on it. And that has seemed to help a lot. Um, flat lays or lay flats, I think they're called, um, just kind of give you a more, it's it's like something you can put at the bottom, like on top of your counter and something that you can like post on the wall. Um, just it gives it a different aesthetic and I can change those up. And it's not, you know, it's not, the those the lay flats are relatively expensive as well as the um as the you know uh tripods and things like that but it's it's worth it to produce you know somewhat uh, of a you know a more high quality video oh yours are high quality they're they're beautiful you know there's a lot i still can learn and you know i can do you know way better and i but i just keep trying and keep 
you know, learning and learning from other people as well. You can start teaching now, I think. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you have perfected this. You mentioned equipment and things that you get. Where, where do you get those? I get a lot off of um, Amazon. And then through the uh, boot camp, uh, the members were allowed to, if they wanted to become um, like an influencer for a, um, for a company. And I'm not going to remember it offhand um, that does all of that. So they have video equipment and cameras and lighting and, you know, all of that available. Well, you mentioned TikTok and that's the app that you use to shoot your videos, but I see them on Instagram. So do they just transfer? Are you able, are you allowed to do that, to use your TikTok videos on Instagram and on Facebook? Yes. So what, what has happened for TikTok the last, I think two months, and I'm not sure that it's available to everyone, but I can shoot and edit in the TikTok app. And you can download the video without the watermark now prior to posting it on TikTok. Before before that, I literally had to screen record the video before um, and then go back and edit out, like, you know, crop it to get everything out. Now I don't have to do that. It's, it's much easier. But yeah. From your success with this, something that all influence influencers aspire to is to have sponsors. And now you have some wonderful sponsors. How did that happen? Again, it's just, I think, putting out, um, you know, quality reels, quality videos. Um, companies then recognize you or companies that are maybe a go-between, um, between a brand and an influencer, So I just started to get a lot of brand deals um, through that, whether it was direct from the company or direct to like a, you know, a middle, middle company um, representative. So they, you began to attract these people. Now, Mm -hmm. speaking of attracting the sponsors, you have to first attract an audience. So how did you do that? Um, It's difficult to grow. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I think first and foremost, I've always been authentic. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I I just believe that, you know, I I make what I want. I don't necessarily, I know a lot of food bloggers and, you know, it's, it's fine. They use a lot of keywords and then we'll make a recipe based upon what people are searching for. That's never been my thing. I literally lay in bed at night thinking what I'm making the next day. Um, Or I go to the grocery store or some store and get inspiration by what's ever there. Um, I don't have a niche. I'm I'm just, I make whatever I feel like we're going to have or whatever I feel like having. I might ask my husband, what do you feel like having today? And that's how I, that's how I do it. But I think being authentic is key, not, not, buying followers, you can buy followers and gain, you know, 50,000 of them. And, you know, but they, what? they don't engage that, that won't do any good. The they, problem, they don't engage. Right. And the problem is once brands, when you sign off or sign on to with a brand, most of them will ask you for your analytics. So they'll want to know mm-hmm. what are you, what's your engagement? And, you know, you might have 50,000 followers, but you know, zero engagement mm-hmm. and, 
going to, you know, do. So I, I would say being authentic, being me, doing what I want to do, not taking brand deals just for the fact of the money. Money's never been my focus. And I think that's really helped me become more successful Absolutely. as time goes on. Right. Yeah, I love the money now. Um, I I do, but it's never been my like driving force. I think that's true. No matter what your profession is, don't let money be the reason that you're working hard. Yeah. Yeah. Just be sincere with it. Now that's, that's such wonderful information for people who do aspire to be a food influencer. Now for those who just like watching what you do and seeing those recipes, let's talk about that. The food that you choose. I love that you choose food that is delicious. You don't think about a special diet. You don't think about, and and that's how I approach things too. I, I assume that people can, if they have a special diet or special needs or special things that they have to uh, be careful about, they know the substitutions to make. I think uh, and you and you do this too. You just find delicious, wonderful food. What is the source for that? What is the source of your recipes? Do they just come out of your head? So a lot of them do. Um, if I take inspiration from, say, another food blogger or a video that I saw, I definitely give them credit. Um, but a lot of it I make up in my head or a lot or, or some, you know, just old time recipes, maybe from when, you know, I was growing up or like Sloppy Joe's, for example. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much how I do it. You know, like I said, I just, it's, you know, I, I used to be so right brained and now I'm so left brain. I never knew I had that creativity part. Oh, you do. Oh, you I never thought you definitely I had do. That. Yeah, it's so interesting for someone. You you really have a numbers background history. And, I do. and now you're doing all of this. Your, your videos are just beautiful. And Thank the you. food is just beautiful. You mentioned Sloppy Joe's. For example, what makes your Sloppy Joe's unique? Mm, I don't know that they're unique. I just think that um, it's a recipe that my mom always made and uh, I use the same things and um, I don't know, maybe cooking them a little longer, a little slower, letting, you know, all those flavors develop. But my husband loves them. It's probably that and my meatloaf. He loves my meatloaf. And I do have a special ingredient with my meatloaf that I think everyone needs to try. Oh, do you want do you want to share that? I do. Tell I will. Me. And Tell I do this for meatballs too. But to get a really like tender meatloaf or mm-hmm. meatballs, I always soak some bread, usually like an Italian bread or something, in heavy whipping cream. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And I let that soak for like maybe five or 10 minutes and then start with the other ingredients. So instead of using like breadcrumbs, yes. I replace that with um, bread, bread soaked in heavy cream. So interesting. What about certain seasonings? Do you have some favorite seasonings that you tend to just always have on hand and that they work for most any food? Or yeah, most I guess I'm, I'm not a highly seasoning person person like salt pepper garlic powder onion powder um are you know my go-tos for sure but I have a couple like local um there's a local girl who came out with her own seasoning blend and she makes a great smoked citrus salt so I use that a lot for like fish um 
but those that's probably it. I like a lot of, I probably a little heavy too on like crushed red pepper. I use that a lot in dishes. Good to know. Something that I noticed that you prepare, and it's it's my favorite health food, and that's salmon. Salmon is so oh good for us. Right? And your salmon dishes are just always so beautiful. Tell us some good ways that we can prepare our salmon. So I guess just not overcooking it is um, first and foremost. Um, I simply season it most of the time with like salt and pepper. I may add some garlic powder. Um, but I love roasting it in the oven. Um, I just think it has such great flavor and, you know, you can do it at a higher temperature. Like I usually do it at 400 and just keep checking it, you know, Um, about how long do you, so if you buy like a salmon that you could also eat raw, like sushi style, yes, um, sashimi style, um, depending on the thickness, about eight minutes is probably pretty good. Do you, speaking of that and, and choosing the right cuts of salmon or other, or the right uh, quality, how do you go about doing that? What do you ask from your supermarket or from your butcher or whatever to make sure you get the best quality? Do they have tips that they share with you because they know so what you I, do and how good you are at it? I typically know that a few of the fish markets around where they source um, their, their fish and, and seafood from. So I know that those sources are, can be a trusted source of you know, freshness and, um, you know, the grade and things like that. Yeah. I don't buy a lot of fish from the grocery store. Right. I don't either. That's interesting. I was about to say, I have found that when you choose, for example, at farmer's markets, I have a very favorite fish person that I go to. And, and it is truly amazing the difference in the yes. quality of that mm-hmm. fish. And just the flavor. It's got a lot yes. more flavor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Every, every quality. So we, uh, again, we love seeing what you're doing and how you do it. And it makes us so hungry. What about side dishes? How do you, you do a lot of main courses, but you always have these wonderful side dishes. How do you go about choosing those? And what are some of your favorites that seem to go with most anything, fish or beef or pork or chicken? I like Brussels sprouts mm-hmm. a lot. Um, how do you, how do you prepare yours? And I just roast them. I, you know, sometimes I'll do bacon, but literally I just love them plain roasted. I just tried them the other day, just pan frying them. Uh, Like olive oil? They're great. Olive oil, olive oil, salt and pepper. And they were fabulous. I saw those. Um, They looked really good. Green beans. I like green beans. Um, I love to steam like a whole crown of cauliflower. I'm, I'm sorry, not cauliflower, broccoli. Um, just with a little, you know, salt and a little butter at the end. And those are health foods too. And that's, that's so important that you, uh, if you prepare it well, health foods are really delicious and serve the purpose too. What about cooking tools? What are some of the things in your kitchen that you just can't live without? Okay. I can't live without, um, multiple, uh, enameled cast iron pots. Oh, interesting. I have those too. The only thing about those, Melissa, they're so heavy to move around, but they work. Now, why is it that you think they work so well? I do too. I just think they just really, depending on what you're making, I make a lot of soups in them. Oh, yes, you do. I just made short ribs, um, braised short ribs in the oven. I love that you can like keep it on the stove or you can 
um, toss it in the oven. Um, I have, I do have one utensil that I absolutely, well, probably two that I also love. It's this meat grinder that I got from Pampered Chef and it like cuts, you know what I'm it like, um, you know, if you're cooking ground beef or sausage and you can just like grind it up as it's cooking. I love that. Oh, no, wait, describe what you said now. You grind it up as oh, it's It's like cookie. a chopper, but it's it's oh. like a long utensil and it like chops the meat as it's cooking. In, so, the, in the pan. Oh, I was thinking yeah. of one of those things that I saw my daddy use that he like mm. attached to our counter. And no, ground. not that okay. good yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure he was either, but I was I impressed. I can't grind my own meat yet. Um, but I love that. And I love an immersion blender. I think everybody needs to have an immersion blender. Explain in that. Explain an immersion blender as opposed to just a blender. Yeah. So if you, if you don't, if, if you have a blender, you can use that, but I just love it to like, I made, um, what did I make the other day? It was a soup and I could just cut the vegetables up, like roughly chop them. Cause I knew at the end I was going to, you know, take the stick like thing and blend the soup up. Um, oh, it works well, great. Describe the stick like thing again. This is your, your grinder thing again. What does it look like? So this one is like a stick. It's like a stick immersion blender and you, immer- oh, you know, oh, immerse. Gotcha. Oh, right. Yeah. This is the grinder. This is the blender. Right. Right. Oh, I've, I've and it just uses your hand. It's just like a hand, but it's right. electric. And it just like um, blends everything up in the pot. So, you know, if you use a blender, a stand-up blender, trying to blend soup that's hot, you know how that sometimes goes. You know, the top can... Um, shoot off and soup can go everywhere. So this is just a, for me, it's an easier way to blend things in the pot. And and my wonderful producer, Andrew, just showed me a picture of one on Amazon. There it is, $40. Mm. An, um, an immersion blender can be yours. Thank you for, intro- now I have cooked for decades and I didn't know about an immersion blender. That is so much better than a whisk because I've, I've tried blending my soups with a whisk and the oh. food just gets caught mm-hmm. in the middle of my whisk. Right. Yes, this does not happen. They're very, they, you know, it's got a great blade on it. And actually I just got black and dent. Black and Decker just gifted me one and it's still in the box. So I need to like get that one out and start using it. Oh, good to know. Thank you, Black and Decker. Okay, we'll look for your brand. That's that's so good. All right, you mentioned soups. Oh, do I ever love soups? And we're headed into soup season. Tell me some of your favorites. Um, Lobster bisque is one of my favorites. Yum. Oh, Um, now tell me how you prepare your lobster bisque. Not every little ingredient, but where do you start with that? So I start making my own um, lobster stock. So depending upon um, what, sometimes I can make it just with lobster tails or a whole lobster and I just remove the meat, have the shells and cook the shells and like some water, usually Old Bay, you know, different vegetables and stuff like that and let it cook for about 45 minutes to an hour. And then you just remove all the shells and mm-hmm. things. And yeah. the, the reason I mentioned that, it's so funny. When I went to culinary school, which I went thinking people would care about that. No, no one cares about that. They just care about the passion and love for food and the ability to create these wonderful recipes, for mm-hmm. which I'm so very, very thankful. But when I went to culinary school in D.C., he was showing us how to make this lobster bisque. And he just ground up the shells and 
everything. And that's not yeah. what I wanted. I did not yeah. want that. That is not how we cook. But I mean, his was good, but I found that fascinating. That's why I asked you if you took the shells out because I would want my shells out. Oh yeah, no, too. I do. I, I take the shells out. I just use them for the stock and then I, you know, start making the rest of it. And then when I'm ready to, you know, after make my roux and things like that, then I pour the stock back in or freeze it for another time or something. Oh, the roux. And that is such an important skill to be able to make a roux. And it transfers to so many different types of ethnic cuisine. Tell everybody how you make your roux. So basically, I will take like butter or usually butter if I'm doing lobster stock. Mm -hmm. And I'll, you know, saute my vegetables, my aromatics, whatever it is, mm -hmm. celery, onions, and garlic. And um, then use equal parts of like a flour. Yes. Usually just all-purpose flour. And then yes. let that like cook for a few minutes because you want to get all that like raw right. flour taste out. Right. And then pour my stock in and then it starts to, you know, simmer and thicken. And But I have found like for a lot of soups, the base is that you know, cooking your aromatics and your, your vegetables for a few minutes and some type of fat, whatever it is, mm -hmm. butter, oil, and then making that roux. From there, you can almost make any kind of soup you want. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so that step is so important. And the one that you mentioned about getting the floury taste out, cooking yes. it long enough to let it brown a little bit and get the floury taste out. Oh, Young, tell us any other favorites that of yours because when they go to your posts on Instagram or TikTok or wherever they're found the food is just every time my mouth just waters and I don't know why you're not obese and why OCV is not obese because this food is just wonderful but that's a perfect example you are so beautiful and they can see that from your fashion posts too moderation is the key we can enjoy all this good food if we just enjoy it in moderation right Absolutely. Well, here's my thing. Like, you know, sometimes I'll get backlash from people that will say, you know, you're making this, you're making that. It's not healthy. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, that to me, um, the truth is, I believe that if you're cooking food for yourself, mm -hmm. that it is so much healthier than, you know, going to restaurants mm -hmm. and and I don't want people not to get, not to support restaurants. They oh, no, should. Well, people like to have someone else yeah, cook for them but, anyway, but, yeah. I, but I like what you're saying. Keep going. But I have found, um, my husband probably three, four years ago was, um, he's, he's a type two diabetic and mm -hmm. he was taking the shots every day, mm -hmm. like 15 to 20, um, units, whatever it is. And he's off that. Wow. He doesn't, he doesn't take any more insulin. Um, to what do you attribute that? I do definitely attribute it to his diet. Um, and you know, he's, yes, he has type two diabetes, but he can have mashed potatoes or, you know, some carb or, or something with dinner. Mm -hmm. It's just, I just believe that what I, what I'm trying to do, I guess, with a lot of what I do online is to show people that even though a meal may present itself as elegant and difficult, I try to show you that that it's really not that difficult to make. Um, and maybe that's the teacher coming out in me 
because I do like to give steps. And, you know, you talked about options while somebody has like, you know, maybe celiac disease and, you know, need to be gluten free. So when I write my recipes, even though I might not say it in the video, I always give options for that. Or mm -hmm. maybe if there's a vegetarian way to make the recipe that I did, I give those options when I actually write the recipe and put it on my, you know, on my website. But I just think that it's not about what you make necessarily, but you're right. Moderation. Um, and it's a balanced meal. You know, I usually try to balance everything. Right. And yeah, some days I make stuff with mashed potatoes and gravy and other days I make, you know, a piece of salmon roasted with Brussels sprouts. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, I don't know. I just, I just think it's, it's just a healthier way to make food and, and satisfy. Sure. Well, you do it with such ease. It's a natural talent for you, but the wonderful thing is that you're sharing it with other people and we can learn from you. So how, what do you think the future of food influencing is going to be for social media? Um, I do like this trend. Like I got lucky when I noticed that a lot of say for Instagram, what they were switching more to videos. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've had this conversation how many times? Right? Yes. We've had this conversation <laughs> yes, how many times, Barbara? And you're, you're going, <laughs> you have found a way to lecture me again, <laughs> which and, I so much um, appreciate. <laughs> truly, truly appreciate. So when I uh, but people are listening. You might probably have picked up that she is a wonderful influencer for me. <laughs> Melissa is a wonderful teacher and influencer for me. So as you were saying now, okay. So when I saw that, you know, they were trying to compete with TikTok because TikTok was, you know, really taking off. And um, I'm like, I got to start. I got to learn. I got to teach myself how to do videos better, more of them. Um, and I, I'm hoping I'm hoping that that continues to be the trend. Like, I think I like, I think I like the storytelling of a video more so than static post. You know, if you notice, I don't post many just pictures right. of um, my food anymore. Um, in the last, I would say five to six months, I have doubled my followers um, with consistency, with posting, you know, fairly good videos. They're great videos. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, so I'm hoping that that's the trend. I like to see people. I like to see lifestyle. I like to see people living their life and sharing it with people. So I'm, I'm again, hopeful that that is going to remain, um, the trend in social media moving forward. On a sort of lighter note, but, but not really, uh, there are negative people out there. How do you handle that? Because there's somebody not going to like something that you're doing, or okay. it's just how they choose to project themselves with negativity instead of positivity. And it's, it's, it's difficult when you read those. How do you manage yeah. that? Um, I usually make humor out of it. Right. You know, first of all, I have to tell myself it's not about me. It's about them. True. Um, you know, if you're going to waste your time making a bad comment on, you know, something I'm posting, then it's not like, I don't, I usually come back with humor. Like mm -hmm. it's just, it's my way of, um, 
I guess, lightening the mood because I don't like negativity on my page. Like if you notice, I don't post that, that, and, and it's not always, you know, rainbows and butterflies every day, but I just believe that the more negativity you put out there and post, it, it, it has an effect on you overall. And um, so I use humor that that seems to be like I think somebody said the other day, gross or like, you know, oh. put the pu- puke emoji on. Oh. And I'm like, um, well, you weren't invited anyway. So, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, so I just try to come back with like, you know, comments that are more humorous than, you know, anything. It, it always hurts my feelings, but I then try to think about from where they are coming. And I'm always thankful that I don't have that kind of bitterness in my heart and head. So I try to think about, again, gratitude that I am not feeling the things that they are feeling and uh, pray for them that you must be going through something really bad for you to take the time to send something to someone else that you don't even know. Right. Um, yeah. So good. I like, I like your idea of the humor. That's, that's a wonderful. It's funny. Like, I don't even know how sometimes I come up with the the remarks that I do, the comments back. And I'm just like, I can't help myself sometimes. Well, that's, that's good for everybody though. And including, including the person. So they may be a little snarky at times as well. Like <laughs> sometimes you just can't help it. Like, but I can't help it. No, it's, it's all right. Yeah. Um, what about those? Do you have any other advice for people who are aspiring to become a successful influencer in whatever field, whether it's fashion or beauty or food? Um, I think, as we mentioned earlier, I think being um, your authentic self is really important. Um, don't take brand deals or put something out there that, um, you know, that you don't use or like, or, um, just do because, you know, a brand wants to pay you or not pay you, you know, give you, you know, free product or whatever. I really think that I've noticed a lot more influencers, especially on TikTok, not, not, not so much on Instagram, but it's still there. You can tell when somebody's being authentic and when they're not. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, I just think, I just think everybody needs to be more themselves and just, you know, stay, stay what you know, stay what you love. Um, and I think that gets you a lot further than, you know, taking any deal that's, that's presented your way. I mean, I get probably 20 deals a day and if I take one or two of them, um, that's a lot. And, and making those choices is so important and you're not going to be everything to all people. So choose right. the ones that are authentic to you yeah, and, also, and your like, brand. At the beginning, like I have done a lot of free things. Like in the first few years, I took a lot, I did a lot of free things and I don't do that anymore. And I'm not, and I don't feel bad about it. I'm not going to apologize because it is a lot of hard work. Um, so if a company wants to send me a knife, for example, mm-hmm. and say, you know, we have these knives, we'll send you one and then a replacement, will give you a code to give to your followers. Um, I'm like, no, mm-hmm. like there, or I'll ask them or I'll come back and say, is there, you know, uh, a certain amount of money in your budget that is also included with you know, the knife. And if they come back and say, you know, no, then I just respectfully decline because 
it takes me a long time to do the video and edit the videos and, and all of that. And I think now that I have some expertise in it, that, that you should get paid for it. Yes. You have earned that. It's like a job. I right? mean, this exactly. is my job. You, of course it is. It's a big job. And about how much time each day does it take for you to get your post on your video? No, I mean all day. No, all day. Yeah, sure. I work. I work really weird hours. Like I, I'm really good in the morning, so I'll work on my computer for you know on my website for a few hours in the morning, and then you know, thankfully, I have a husband who likes to go grocery shopping. So if I don't feel like doing that, he'll do that for me. But you know, then it's prep. Like, okay, do, when am I going to start this recipe? Because when you're filming and cooking dinner, it's a lot different than when you're just cooking dinner. Mm-hmm. Like oh yeah. Filming could add another hour on to, you know, the entire meal. So, um, I just, you know, when I, and I take breaks, I work from home. So it's not, you know, if I want to go out and get my nails done with one of my girlfriends, I can do that. I don't pressure myself. Um, although I do, I shouldn't say that I probably do pressure myself more than anything to get contact and, you know, constantly, but you have to, if you really want to be successful, you have to create good quality content and keep putting it out there. Right. And when you know that you're there and you're, you know, when you love what you're doing, it's not really like work. Yeah, it's not. But it does take a lot of time that I'm not sure everybody understands how much yes. time that it does take. Anything else that you would like to share before we go? I also want you to make sure that you share your website. And again, your uh, addresses on TikTok and on Instagram. Um, so I do have a few tips. Oh, good. Tell I me. thought I would just share yes, that. I would really. love that. We would all love so, that. Um, about engagement, because I think uh, one of the things we talked about, one of the questions were, you know, how do you engage yes. with your followers? Yes. And I learned a little trick. Okay. It's really been helping me on Instagram. And this could be for any person, you know, content creator or influencer. Um, but if you want to engage more with your audience, I've been making my posts. I don't know if you've noticed to where, um, you know, I said comment with a fish or comment. Yes. And I'll send you um, the direct link to the recipe. Mm-hmm. And that has, it has, it has, my engagement is up tremendously for that because when people, it's hard when you are on a social media platform, this is what I've learned. If you're on Instagram, Instagram wants to keep you on that platform, right? Right. So they make it a little bit more difficult for somebody to go, okay, I'm, I got it. I got 10 minutes. I'm going to scroll and see what's new on Instagram. And they come across one of my recipes, right? Yes. And I put in there, click the link in my bio. Well, first of all, Instagram doesn't like that wording. They don't like click the link in my bio because that tells them you're trying to take somebody off my platform to go to yours. So um, I've noticed then if I say um, comment yes or, or, you know, you want the recipe. So I, they've commented, I comment back and let them know that I've placed their recipe or placed the recipe they requested in their, you know, direct message. And then now that Instagram saw that somebody is engaging with me on that post that I just made, they're going to toss it out to more people. Ah. And then more people start commenting. Yes. Oh, yes, I want the recipe. And so I, 
I start commenting back and you want to be on Instagram, I've noticed you don't want more than an hour to go if possible between somebody commenting and you actually responding. Um, and then once more people start, then Instagram throws it out to more people and more people. And they are rewarding um, you for keeping them engaged with their audience. Yes. And I've just noticed that people just don't like to go to the link in bio. I mean, it really takes a lot. Um, I have it. I use it. Um, but I've noticed this has really been um, more significant than than doing it like the old fashioned way. So maybe that's a new one. Oh, that's trend. a great, that's a really, really, really good tip. Yeah. So in your, when they, so you mentioned, where, where do you mention that about that you will direct message them? You put it in it, your, in your post. I put in it your, in the post. In so the yeah. And, and I will tell you also, you know, there's been a lot of discussion lately about AI, uh, artificial intelligence and using like, um, chat GTP or I think it's barred for uh, Google, but I do use that, um, sometimes to help me generate a caption because you can actually ask, um, chat GTP, you know, I'm putting such and such recipe. Can you help me with a, um, caption that includes keywords? Because right now, Instagram's not focusing on hashtags as much. They want to see the keywords, to whatever is in that post. Oh, and that without a hashtag, just, just wording in the post. Yeah, I still use them, but you also want to use like the opening line should be something catchy, like here's your dinner tonight or, you know, something like that that engages them or stop scrolling or, or something and then have, you know, some AI help you generate a caption and you can, you know, give them a command, generate a caption for a recipe for lobster bisque using, um, you know, short and long tail keywords. So basically it's becoming now Instagram is more of like, not Google, but kind of like a Google. Like you could go there, like you do Pinterest and search for a particular recipe. And if somebody has the right wording in there, yours will pop up. Tell me when you, when they ask for that recipe... What form do you send it? How do you, because I'm sure you get hundreds of those requests. I do. I know. What, how, going, do you I return, how do you answer that? I mean, do you have something, do you have a, a, a copy and paste? Yeah, that's what I do. Right now I do. I think there are some um, applications that may, you might be able to use, but that's too much for me to even get into right now. So basically what I do is I have like some windows open um, and I just go and copy and paste the, the recipe and, you know, place it in their, um, direct message. Okay. Well, we could talk forever as always. You are just, I, I hope everybody has sensed what I, what I know. In addition to your talent and your brilliance and your beauty and all of those things, oh. you're so generous. You are so successful and you are happy to share how you became successful and help other people to do the same. And that's a wonderful, wonderful quality, quality. Melissa, along with all of your other wonderful ones. So thank uh -huh. you for this time. I appreciate you and I appreciate our friendship. I am so glad that, I, that we met, how many, what, two years ago? Yeah, isn't it interesting how there are certain people that as, 
at this stage in our lives that it doesn't take long. In, in just a moment, you realize someone shares your values and shares your interest and as uh, is someone who is immediately trustworthy of your friendship. And oh, you are I one mean, of those. And I'm just so grateful. Even when we started working together, it was like I was you. Like I knew what was in your I have head. never seen anything like it. <laughs> it was just amazing. You you said it. It's like, wait, that's what I was thinking. But you said it so perfectly, perfectly. Well, you, have, you are a person of many, many talents. And I thank you. I always like to close my uh, podcast with a little scripture that relates to maybe what we're talking about. And I found this, and I think you'll like it too, Melissa. This is from Ecclesiastes 9. Uh, chapter nine, verse seven. And it says, go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. So that's what we encourage people to do with gladness and joy. Enjoy what you're doing. And, And you do that, Melissa. Thank you so, so much. And everybody, you go find Charlotte Fashion Plate. Thank you.